Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Well, another week is behind us, and I'm glad you've joined us for another edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Carrie Martin, with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture, covering everything from the Piney Woods of East Texas out to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. We've talked about these being good times for those with corn to sell in the Texas High Plains, but it's not all that happy a situation for buyers facing high feed prices. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. Protecting private property rights through eminent domain reform in the state legislature. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. But first, here's Jessica Domel with news headlines. For the first time since early November, less than half of the state is suffering from moderate or worse drought. According to the Texas Water Development Board, 48% of the state is under drought. That's down 10 percentage points from last week. Over the past two weeks, the area of the state under drought has fallen 33 percentage points thanks to rain and snowfall. The Caprock Crop Production Conference hosted by the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension offices in Floyd and Crosby counties will be held from 9 a.m. to noon Friday on Zoom. Speakers will discuss lease agreements, weed management strategies, and drift minimization. Cost is $20. Pre-registration is required. A link is available at today.agrilife.org. Registration for the 2021 Master Marketer Seminar Series is now open. Master Marketer is an online comprehensive marketing course developed by the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service and the Texas A&M University Department of Agricultural Economics. The series will be held Wednesdays starting January 27th and running through March 3rd. The courses will be held from 10 a.m. to noon with a few evening sessions. Speakers will discuss futures and options, working with a broker, budgets, marketing plans, crop insurance, the cotton outlook, a grain outlook, agricultural policy, and livestock. The course is free. Registration is required. A link to register is available on today.agrilife.org. Former NFL cornerback and current Food Network chef Eddie Jackson has a new title, Chief Recipe Officer. Jackson will serve as an ambassador for the Texas Beef Council's consumer-facing brand, Beef Loving Texans. Through the partnership, he'll develop unique, timely recipes using beef. He'll also promote them on his social media accounts to encourage more people to eat beef. The recipes will also be shared on the Beef Loving Texans website. That's beeflovingtexans.com, beeflovingtexans.com. The High Plains Cotton Conference will be held online from 9 to 11 a.m. January 28th. RSVP to the Extension offices in either Hutchison or Hansford counties by Tuesday. 
Tyson Foods this week agreed to $221.5 million to settle claims related to price-fixing lawsuits. The settlements are with three consumer and commercial purchasing groups who bought chickens directly from Tyson. The settlements require a federal judge's approval. Tyson did not admit liability in agreeing to settle and said the payments will be reflected in its first quarter financial statements, according to Reuters. Earlier this month, Pilgrim's Pride agreed to $75 million settlement in the litigation. Sanderson Farms and Purdue Farms are also included in the litigation. The lawsuit claims chicken producers have conspired since 2008 to inflate prices through tactics such as restricting production and sharing non-public data about supply and demand. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The coronavirus threw a big monkey wrench into the beef marketing chain in 2020. So what does 2021 hold for the beef industry? A vaccine is currently being distributed, so the hope is for a return to a more normal beef marketing situation, with restaurants and other food service outlets reopening. Josh Weingardner is with the Texas Cattle Feeders Association. When you think about the fact that about half of all of the food that we consume nationwide takes place outside of the home and now all those restaurants are closed down it obviously will have an impact and it diverted that back to the home and we'll start to see that and we have seen that easing back into the restaurant the hospitality sector the hospitals and the schools now that they're back open wine garner says one silver lining of the 2020 situation is that people now have more appreciation for where their food comes from especially after experiencing empty shelves at the supermarkets The 2021 wheat crop in Texas has already faced its share of challenges, especially considering the massive drought spread across much of the state. But in the northeast Texas panhandle, Ockletree County agent Scott Strong says the wheat crop there looks really good. Fortunately, here in this county and the Hansford County and Lipscomb, I know we've had some moisture that the rest of the state hasn't. You get further south of here and it doesn't take long before you get into some real dry conditions. Now, that latest round of snow that hit the whole state helped, but our wheat looks good. We were off to a good start back in the fall, and it's currently in the dormant stage, and it's not really requiring a lot of moisture. But Strong says in about 30 days, the crop will need a good rain to keep growing. These are good times to sell corn, but not so good if you're buying corn for feed. James Hunt reports from Amarillo. With the spot market price for fed cattle running about $110 to $111 per hundredweight, Brady Miller of Texas Cattle Feeders Association says, Feed yards in the high plains, if you look at the average cash-to-cash sell, they're probably breaking even to losing maybe 50 bucks in that range somewhere. And some of these cattle may be making some money depending on how you got these cattle bought. We have to salute any feed yard operators who are managing to stay above break-even. It's certainly not easy to do when you look at the way the rise in corn prices has affected the cost of feeding cattle. Miller says the cost of gain was around 75 cents a pound or so just a couple of months ago. But now, with the run-up in corn, the cost of gain has soared into the upper 90s and even higher. If you look at the cattle that you're placing on the yard today, if you put a 600-pound animal in the yard today and you're feeding it corn, your cost of gain is probably somewhere around a buck, buck five. So that eats a lot of profit. Corn has long been the dominant ingredient in feed rations. 
Miller says cattle feeders feeling the current price pressure could do some switching to other grains like wheat or sorghum, but that's a change that cannot be made overnight. Typically, when you start an animal on a ration, you will not change that ration in the middle of that cycle. So when new animals come in, you might start them on a different ration, but you have to go through that cycle with those animals. If you don't, you'll cause those animals to go off feed and you lose some efficiency within that process. Miller says higher feed costs are one reason why feed yard placements have been trending downward in recent months. We'll wait to see the latest numbers on that front when USDA's Cattle on Feed report is issued this afternoon. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Eminent domain reform is a big priority for Texas farmers and ranchers. Tom Nicoletti has more. Eminent domain law makes sure that property owners' rights are protected under that law. And this is an issue that has developed in the Texas legislature over the years. And Texas farmers and ranchers are looking to uh, reform that law to uh, better protect their private property rights. We go to Austin and uh, Joy Davis is my guest. She is Texas Farm Bureau Associate Legislative Director. And uh, Joy, uh, talk to us today about uh, what uh, farmers and ranchers are looking for uh, and uh, what type of legislation has already been filed uh, in the state legislature regarding uh, the reform of eminent domain. Well, Tom, this is going to be our uh, third bite at the apple here, Um, the third legislative session that we're going to be trying to uh, reform eminent domain law. So far, there have been two bills filed that are overall general eminent domain reform. The first of those is House Bill 901. That's been filed by State Representative Dwayne Burns of Johnson County. This bill actually picks up where negotiations left off in the 2019 legislative session. And what it does is includes the agreements that were made on the bona fide offer and required easement terms made to landowners. This only applies to private companies. And um, it does not, however, have the language that was included last legislative session regarding the meetings because there there was not an agreement that could be made on um, the meetings that would provide landowners with the information they needed in a timely manner. So that was not included in, in House Bill 901 this time. The second bill that he has filed is House Bill 902, and what that language is, is language that was provided by the oil and gas industry, also known as the Coalition for Critical Infrastructure. And that was the language that they had developed over the interim or in between last session and this legislative session. And a main difference between that bill and House Bill 901 is that it applies to public and private companies along with some additional information like it codifies or puts into statute the landowner's bill of rights and um, also creates an ombudsman for eminent domain reform. And some of that's things that were not agreed to, so there are ongoing negotiations going on. I know that House Bill 901 is the bill that Representative Burns wants to push, and it is the one that is going to be backed by most of the landowner groups. There might be some of the language from House Bill 902 that makes its way into House Bill 901, but um, we're looking we're looking for 901 to make its way through the legislative process this session. That again is Joy Davis. She is Texas Farm Bureau Associate Legislative Director in Austin. 
I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. It may be a great time to see wildlife you don't normally see. I'm Jessica Domel and I'll explain on Texas Ag Today. And there are ways to increase immunity in horses. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd tells how coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an agent who's there when you need them most. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. We hear a lot about boosting your immunity here in the age of COVID, but what about boosting immunity in horses? Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd says that is possible. Here's how. Heavily campaigned performance horses and others used for high-intensity exercise may have decreased immunity to disease. Dr. Lori Warren with the University of Florida indicates that intense exercise can result in immunosuppression, and the show circuit increases these horses to exposure to airborne disease-producing organisms. Several vitamins and minerals have been shown to support the immune system, including vitamins A, C, D, and E, and the minerals zinc and selenium. Vitamin A and C plus selenium are antioxidants, while these plus vitamins D and E and zinc are effective in cell-mediated immunity and antibody production. Vitamin E is the most widely studied vitamin in horses, and it does have an effect on decreasing oxidative stress. Natural sources of vitamin E are best, but other than neurological disease, there is no evidence to support excessive supplementation of vitamin E will increase the response. Vitamin E supplementation can increase the response to vaccines and has been shown to increase the bacterial killing capacity of white blood cells compared to horses deficient in vitamin E. Increased selenium supplementation has also been considered to increase the immune response, but this was not shown to be the case as long as normal levels of vitamin E were present. Although vitamin C is synthesized normally by the horse's liver, some conditions can decrease vitamin C levels, so supplementation with vitamin C may be helpful. However, excessive supplementation of vitamin C can actually decrease vitamin C production by the horse's liver. So we need to be careful with over-supplementation of vitamin C. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. This may be a great time to see wildlife you don't normally see. Jessica Domel has more in today's wildlife report. This time of year, you may have more opportunities to see certain types of wildlife than you do at other times of the year. Dr. Maureen Frank, a wildlife specialist for the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service, explains why this is true for several species, including the bald eagle. So in the winter, all animals are going to have a little bit harder time 
finding food when it's scarce. And so in the winter, when it gets colder, is definitely a time that that happens. The other reason, too, that we'll see birds more is not necessarily that they're being more active, but with all the leaves off of the trees. Sometimes we just notice them more. And so you'll, you may notice them going, you know, over an open area or sitting up in a tree that you might not normally have noticed just with less vegetation. But all animals that are active during the winter are going to have to spend a little more time seeking food than they normally would when food is more abundant. Now, of course, there's different ways that animals deal with winter weather, and some are just going to not be active at all. They'll hibernate or, you know, just be in a very low energy state. But for those that are out and about, like a lot of our birds of prey, yeah, they're going to be spending a good amount of time looking for food. And again, then the other time that that happens is during the breeding season, because They've got extra mouths to feed and they're expending extra energy, but that coincides with the spring when food is a little bit more abundant. You know, again, with spring green up, we may not notice them as much as we do right now. For those interested in learning how to bird, Extension has a program called Birding with Extension. Details are available on wildlife.tamu.edu. That is wildlife.tamu.edu. The link is on the right-hand side of the page. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The livestock and grain markets took off in opposite directions to wrap up the week on Friday. The cattle market was sharply higher while the grains were sharply lower. We'll take a look at all of our livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. know what to do if you're stuck on the railroad crossing? Get out of your vehicle. If a train is not approaching, find the blue and white emergency notification system sign on the traffic signs at the crossing. For help, call the number on the sign and give them the crossing number so they know your location and can alert train traffic. Remember, find the blue and white to save your life. For more information, visit OLI.org. giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Well, we wrapped up the week with a bang on Friday. The market's moving in all different directions. We saw a big, huge jump upward for our cattle markets, a big drop downward for the grain markets. It was all precipitated by the grains. It looks like we have a lot of speculative money in the grain markets right now. A huge number of speculators have jumped in and poured money into these markets as they've climbed to six-year highs. They got a bit spooked on Friday and pulled a lot of that money out, and that caused a big crash. We were sharply lower in corn, wheat, soybeans, and of course, when you see a big drop in grain prices, you usually see a big spike in cattle prices. Here's how things wrapped up on Friday. Live cattle sharply higher with February up 262, 116.72. April live cattle up 257, 122.52. The June up $1.67, 118.80. We saw a very big jump in the feeder cattle futures. The March contract up $5, 144.15. April feeder cattle up 425, 146.12. Cash fed cattle market wrapped up last week, selling most live cattle in a 109 to 111 range. Most dress sales at 173. 
Boxed beef on Friday higher, choice up a dollar eighty-five, two twenty-three oh five. Select up three twenty-four at two thirteen fifty-two. Let's check the auction markets now. First, we'll check the weekly sheep and goat auction in San Angelo. Producers livestock auction selling five thousand four hundred fifty-four sheep and goats. Compared to the previous week, wooled feeder lambs were firm, slaughter hair lambs firm, slaughter ewes mostly firm to $5 higher. The kid goats were firm, slaughter nannies bringing $1.40 to $2.30, mostly $1.90 to $2.15. Mature billies, $1.80 to $2.34. Wooled feeder lambs, $2.20 to $3.36. Slaughter lambs, the lighter weights, $2.80 to $3.75. Heavier slaughter lambs, two dollars to three thirty-eight. Slaughter ewes, ninety cents to a dollar thirty-eight, mostly in the one ten to one twenty range. Kid goats, two fifty to three eighty-eight, mostly three ten to three seventy-five. Now let's head up to the Panhandle Tulia Livestock Auction, Tulia, Texas. Two thousand nine hundred eighty-seven heads sold. Feeders, steers, and heifers called steady to three dollars higher. Four to five hundred pound steers brought a dollar fifty-one to a dollar seventy-seven a pound. Five to six weights a dollar forty-three to a dollar sixty-six. Six to seven hundred pounders a dollar thirty-two to a dollar forty-five. Seven to eight weight steers a dollar twenty-nine to a dollar thirty-nine. And the heavy eight to nine weight steers brought a dollar twenty-eight to a dollar thirty a pound. Back over to the futures market now. Lean hogs closed sharply higher. February up a dollar eighty-two, sixty-nine ninety-two. April hogs up two twenty-five, seventy-six fifteen. Class three milk slightly higher. February milk up a penny at sixteen forty-seven a hundredweight. Now, as we've mentioned, a big drop in the grain markets on Friday. Same thing in the cotton market, sharply lower in sympathy with the grain markets. We probably saw a lot of the speculative buying coming out of the cotton market as well. March cotton down 101 points, 81.56. The May cotton down 84, 82.66. December cotton down 57, 78.47. Big drop in the wheat market. July Kansas City wheat down 21 and three quarters, 6.16 and three quarters. July Chicago wheat down 23 and three quarters, 624. And a big double digit drop in the corn market as well. September corn down 21 and a quarter, 451 and a half. December corn down 18 and a half, 430 and a quarter. In the energy markets, February natural gas down 4 cents at 244. March crude oil down 82, 52.31 a barrel. The financial markets mixed. The Dow Jones Industrial Average down 94 points, 31,081. The Nasdaq up 30 at 13,561. The S&P 500 down 2, 3,850. Well, that wraps up our markets, and that wraps up another edition of Texas Ag Today. Don't forget, we'll be right back here next time to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.